For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, this is Matthew Bunch speaking to you with not a normal episode, but from time to time when I have the opportunity to interview someone for an episode, I like to make the full discussion available, uh, not only as a piece of the historical record, but as an opportunity to give you, the listener, a better idea of the person we're talking to, and, and Ari Anser, who I had the privilege of talking to early this month about his experience with the great Miami tornado of 1997. Uh, was really an illuminating figure, not only because of what he was able to provide in terms of the context of the storm, but more so about the experience of doing the work of broadcast journalism, especially during times of great uncertainty, like during a natural disaster. So I hope you enjoy our discussion. Uh, Ari was incredibly personable, uh, a wonderful person to speak to, a a local institution. And uh, as I said during the episode last week, uh, anytime you have someone like that and you get a chance to pick their brain about the community, uh, it's really quite a treat. I hope you enjoy it. We will be back next month with a regular episode. And so until then, as always, please make sure to follow This Day in Miami History on your preferred social media platform and your preferred podcast provider. And if you're feeling kind, a nice review on one of those platforms would be absolutely lovely. You can also visit thisdaymiamipod.com for information about the show, as well as access to our shop. Uh, Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your attention. And I hope you enjoy this conversation with Ari Adzer on this day in Miami history. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
basically, first off, thank you so much for uh, taking a few minutes out uh, to talk to me. Um, for for listeners' sake, uh, we are talking in between the second and third period of uh, game <laughs> f- uh, th- uh, game four of the Panthers uh, Capital Series. So I, I appreciate you carving out a few minutes to talk to me. Um, yeah, if I sound a little bit uh, frenzied, it's because I'm really upset that they couldn't score in that last power play. So come on, Panthers, do this. And then, and then I'm still upset about last night's Heat game, so it's compounded. The Heat and Panthers are just driving me insane. So I'm trying to calm down for a minute to do this podcast. <laughs> it's, been, it's, been a, it's been a rough couple days in the South Florida sports scene. We're, we're hoping the, the tide turns this evening. Uh, and, yes. and, and you'll know by the time you hear. Uh, but so what I wanted to talk to you about um, today, Mr. Otzer, is um, the, the Miami tornado of 1997. And, and what I find interesting about it is, first off, it, it wasn't a huge tornado on the, the Fujita scale, um, but it was the visual, right? And the story that kind of came along with it. And, and it's one of the first, I think it's one of the first like major weather events of its kind that is captured live on video. And it is able to become kind of a, a almost a visual meme. Like I, I was telling you earlier that I grew up in Baltimore and uh, I remember seeing it because it, it's 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 scary. It looks like it was out of a movie. What was it like? It yeah. it was like right over your head, correct? Yeah, I, I have very very distinct memories of that tornado. Um, you know, in my job working in TV news as long as I have since like the Jurassic era, I often find myself at the intersection of history and news something is happening where i'm immersed in it and it's almost like a forrest gump thing next thing i know it's something historic and this was one of those times and the reason is because of what you just hit on because the visuals were so powerful it wasn't the most powerful tornado in the world but when you see those pictures and that video especially from uh our mount sinai hospital cam which i don't even know if we have that anymore but we used to have a a camera that they would go to that was bounced on top of mount sinai hospital facing from miami beach across the bay towards downtown miami and that was the perfect angle to see this tornado which was much bigger than the skyscrapers of downtown now granted these days we have taller skyscrapers in downtown miami but back then kids we had buildings in downtown miami as well and they were they were tall and this tornado dwarfed them and it just went right through downtown so that visual will always stand out in my head but what also stands out in my head is my personal experience so at the time wtvj which is now nbc6 and it was nbc6 then too um was located in downtown miami the first television station in the state of florida and it was located in an old theater the wometco theater building that was jerry-rigged as a tv station when the station first came on the air and that's where we were for the majority of our history that was on north miami avenue correct so we're at 316 north miami avenue yes so i'm standing there in the newsroom working on some other story and all of a sudden someone yells there's a tornado heading towards downtown so I looked, I looked over, and the first person I saw was Jim Craven, who is a photographer, news photographer, who went on to work for the network for many years, and he recently retired. Uh, but I said, Jim, let's go. So Jim had his camera. He grabbed it, and we, and we started running down the stairs to get from the newsroom to the parking lot in the back of the building. He had to run down these stairs. Everyone who was outside is running inside to safety. And we're the two idiots who are running outside to go see what the heck this tornado was doing. And we rushed outside. And we looked up, and it was just, I'll never forget, the swirl of building material. It was like roofing material, you know, like tar paper and and plywood and stuff just swirling above our heads in this big circle 
I was like, oh my God, where, what is happening? And then we saw the tail end of the, of the tornado as it went towards the east, towards the northeast away from us. And what was happening was it was picking up all the construction material from, they were building at the time, the, the, they were adding on or building something to the federal jail, which was across the street from our station. And that's what it was picking up. And it was picking up roofing materials that it was pulling off of other roofs that were just older buildings. And all of this material swirling in the air, like right over our heads. So we ran out there and I tried to do, I did some kind of stand up at the spur of the moment just to say something on camera. And Jim was shooting video of all this stuff that was going on. And then we realized what had happened, that it had just missed us. If we had been out there a couple of seconds earlier, we might have might have seen more, maybe been injured. But um, it, we saw this stuff swirling literally right over our heads. And we saw the, this, this funnel cloud moving away from us. So as soon as we got as much video as we could and, and we ran across the street and tried to you know, see if anyone was outside, get any more video and do what we do and try to get sound bites and things, we ran back inside to put what we had on, on the air. And then the next thing I know, it was like, okay, we have this. It was, it was mid-afternoon. Okay, now we need you. I, he and I went to the, ended up in the helicopter, in our, in our helicopter at the time, which back then we used to routinely jump in our news helicopter. News crews would get in the helicopter and fly to cover news from the air. And we jumped in the helicopter, and then you could see the trail of damage. That was, it was so cool to be above everything, and you could see exactly where the tornado had touched down in various spots. It was like from Little Havana towards downtown, you could see the damage here and there, a roof here, a roof there, a tree down here. You could just see like the line that it traveled and how it hopscotched and hit in places. And and it was gone before you knew it. And the only reason it made, it made such a big impact is the impact it has on everybody's memory because of what you just said. You know, the visuals were so powerful that this thing came right through downtown. Sure. And, and, you know, for all of us who think of tornadoes, you usually think of them as being in rural places in the Midwest or, or in, in Alabama and southeast states, you know, for the north of us. You don't usually think of them as hitting, you know, in, in an urban downtown kind of environment. Just, that's a very rare occurrence, it seems to me. Sure. And that's what happened. And it was just such an amazing thing to, to see and be part of. And I always think of that moment with uh, Jim and I running down the stairs, going outside, everybody else is running inside <laughs> because that's what news people do. We're running out to see and see what we can find and, and, and see what we can report on. And uh, yeah, it was maybe maybe now with more experience, I wouldn't have been so gung-ho and rambunctious to get out there and into, into whatever danger there was there was outside. I'd have a little more experience. I should maybe be a little more careful about this stuff instead of risking <laughs> life and limb. You know, but that's, you know, that's what we did in 1997 when I was a lot younger. <laughs> now, I, I want to ask you specifically yeah. about what you recalled there, and it was fantastic. <clears throat> going out into it, like you just said, going into the storm when folks are running away from the door. And I want to play for you that stand-up that you alluded to. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, and and kind of and I have a specific question about it in terms of the like the nature of doing broadcast journalism. So let let me play it and I'll drop it in here for the folks so they can hear too. And hopefully I've got the volume up high enough. It came up slowly about a quarter of two. First signs blowing branches and debris from the street. Then suddenly a funnel cloud appeared over the NBC Six parking lot. It moved quickly across the street. NBC Six's Ari Azar was there. 
We are in the NBC6 parking lot. It is now five minutes to two in the afternoon. You look right over there, you can see the tornado's effect as it goes by the federal prison. You can see lots of debris flying in the air. We have felt pieces fall down on top of us, landing on cars around here. You can see up in the air, there's all sorts of construction debris from a project that's taking place one block over here downtown. So first off, very thorough job in terms of describing stuff, uh, by the way, like in the moment. I, I thought that was very uh, impressive. Uh, when you're doing a stand-up like that, usually you have a little bit of time to kind of prepare. Like you're going to the scene, you're gathering facts, and, and then going on camera. Very infrequently, I mean, and again, I could be wrong, please feel free to correct me, but I feel like very infrequently is it like, this thing's happening right this second, it's literally moving away from me, like it's almost as though you're kind of uh, linguistically chasing the story as it's happening. Do, do you remember what it was like as you're trying to like organize your thoughts and, and are there any other experiences in your life where you kind of, in your broadcasting life where you recall like, oh man, I have to put this together as I go? Well, there are, there are moments where um, that's happened, where you have to describe something as it's happening. Yes, uh, spot news happens like that. That's what it's called, spot news. When, um, when it's breaking news and you arrive at the scene and something's happening, you just describe what you're seeing. Uh, yes, <laughs> excuse me. Yes, that's happened you know, many times in a career as long as mine. But you're right in that it is still infrequent compared to every other type of news that we do. It's infrequent that you don't have you know, any time to think about what you're saying. You just have to say it and describe what you're seeing and, and let your eyes you know, communicate with your brain and put hopefully the correct words out there that you want to say and, and, and just describe what's happening around you and uh, try to do it accurately, but also to make sure that people understand what you're seeing, you know, to, to try to paint a visual picture. And yeah, it, it is, it is uh, hard to do, but it's something that you can't really train for. You just have to do it. You know, it happens a few times in your career and you get better at it, but it doesn't happen frequently enough where you can ever really practice it you just have to just wing it and and go for it you know and and that's what happened in that situation i i don't i i recall having almost zero time to think about it i remember jim just saying all right just go just talk you know and uh and it just went you know and and he's pointing up um i think visually if you see that in video i think you know it's maybe starts on me but goes up into the sky to show what i'm talking about it sure does stays on me you know, if I recall correctly. And um, it, it was just one of those things, you know, it just happens. You got to go with it. You just have to do your, do your best to describe what's happening. And, and we didn't have much time to deal with it. We had to assess also if we were in any danger, you know, those kind of situations. Sometimes you have to assess if you're in any kind of danger before you can really um, do much with it. And that's, we, we just instinctively kind of figured that, you know, maybe we're going to get hit by a piece of, construction material but doesn't look like anything really dangerous so let's just let's just do it you know and uh but there's been other situations where i've done similar things in hurricanes or crime scenes or you know there was a a time when literally the i witnessed a a gang shooting that happened you know right near us one time Uh, things like that that have happened that you have to suddenly describe what you're just seeing what you're looking at but yeah you're right it's few and far between in the in the life of a tv journalist I have to tell you, you're you're very good at what you do because you are excellent at 
mentioning the very next thing I want to ask a question about. Like you're, you're, that, that mind of being good at asking questions is really good at answering them too because you just brought up the, the, the range of events you've covered. And this is the, the last question I'll ask and, and let you get back to the game that I, has just started back up. Um, but, you, you know, you, you, you have Florida roots. You're a Florida boy. Um, you, you started work here in South Florida, went to New York for a little bit, and then came back. You were here for Andrew this massive yeah. weather story. And this is obviously very different than that. Um, seeing a tornado in downtown, though, again, coming back to the idea of the visual, did, did you have awareness in the moment that like, oh, this was going to be something because this is unusual? You know, ever, not Andrew was unusual in its own way because of its severity, but a hurricane in South Florida is, is anticipated. Like you said earlier, this was not anticipated. This looked like Kansas in the middle of downtown Miami. To what degree in that moment did you recognize like, oh, this is a story because it's so unusual? Oh, absolutely. As soon as it happened, as soon as somebody yelled tornado, we were like, what? Let's get out there. <laughs> it, it was an immediate recognition that it's, that it's news, that it's newsworthy, that it's unusual. All of that comes in your head immediately. And, and anybody who works in news would think the same thing. It's not like it's anything that I have any particular, you know, news judgment about anybody in TV news, like a hundred percent of us hmm. would instantly realize that that's news and we have to go cover it. Sure. So it's not a situation where I did anything special. Anybody worth their salt would do it. And, and that's, that's pretty much everybody I know in this hmm. business. I mean, I don't think I did anything particularly special that day, honestly. I mean, after the fact, I remember thinking, God, I did a crappy job with describing that I should have done much better. I should have said this, I should have said that. You know, in the postmortem of anything, you think of everything you did wrong. You know, so yeah, so I don't think I did anything special, to be honest with you. Um, in that moment, it was just what anybody else would do. And I think I have colleagues who are more articulate who would have done a better job than I did. You know, but I did what I could, and uh, and it's just one of those memories that you know, in a long career, that kind of stands out as something really unusual that I had the the good fortune of being there to cover. Well, I think your uh, your uh, modesty is excessive. I thought you did a pretty darn good job, all things considered. When you don't even know the thing could be, you know, coming towards you, towards you and Jim, you have no idea. On like I said, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, twenty five years uh, in the business beyond that, um, you know, you're a local legend for a reason. And um, th- <laughs> local legend. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, you know, you, there are there are legendary names in, in lo- local Miami news, and you're one of them. Um, and I want to thank you so much that's, for. Well, thanks. That, that, I've never heard that said, you know, but I'll, you know, and, and I think that's kind of uh, humorous that 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 put a smile on my face because I think that's kind of absurd to think I'm a local legend. I just do my job every day. I just happen to be in the business for a long time. You know, if you survive in this business. I guess they attach legendary status to you. Hey, that's an accomplishment. You of still working and being there. <laughs> that's an accomplishment. Don't don't knock it. Um, Ariat, exactly. thank you so much for your time and and your knowledge and and your your knowledge of history in Miami. We really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Let's go Heat. Let's go Panthers. Let's have some success on the ice and on the court tonight and tomorrow. Second that. Second that fully. Thank you again. All right. Have a good one. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.